So today we'll be talking about COVID-19 vaccine-induced thrombosis and thrombocytopenia syndrome. So disclaimer to my presentation. This lecture or presentation is only for healthcare workers who want to know about the etiopathogenesis, clinical features, and the management of vaccine-induced thrombosis and thrombocytopenia syndrome. Intention is not to deter anybody from getting vaccinated. Vaccine-induced thrombosis and thrombocytopenia syndrome is a very rare phenomenon. And the best vaccine is one which is easily available. So this vaccine-induced immune thrombocytopenic thrombosis. This has also been referred to as thrombosis with thrombocytopenia syndrome. This is an extremely rare phenomena and it is primarily seen with two adenoviral vaccines that is AstraZeneca vaccine and Johnson & Johnson vaccine. It has not been reported with mRNA vaccines. So incidence, it is rare. The highest incidence of AstraZeneca vaccine had been reported in Norway and it was 1 in 26,000 patients who received this vaccine. And the incidence of vaccine-induced thrombosis was 1 in 5 lakhs in the patients who received uh, Johnson & Johnson vaccine. However, the point to note here is the true incidence may actually be underestimated because uh, firstly, we do not have very robust system of reporting uh, side effects of the vaccine and the drugs. And secondly, the clinician and the patients may largely be aware of uh, how to recognize and diagnose this case of vaccine-induced thrombosis. So, risk factors are largely unknown, but what we do know is that it is more common in females. It is primarily seen in patients who are less than 50 years of age. And few of the patients who developed this vaccine-induced thrombosis had been using oral contraceptive pill and estrogen-based hormone replacement therapy. So, it is usually seen within the time frame of 5 to 30 days. Some authors say 5 to 28 days after the vaccination. And uh, the patients who develop it usually are healthy or medically stable. Few of them had previous history of thrombosis. And for the diagnosis of this vaccine-induced thrombosis and thrombocytopenia syndrome, both thrombosis and thrombocytopenia have to be present. Both of these have to be present. So the, there can be coagulation abnormalities which can be present in these patients with uh, vaccine-induced thrombosis and thrombocytopenia syndrome. And these coagulation abnormalities include uh, there can be moderate to severe thrombocytopenia. Median platelet count has been reported to be between 20,000 to 30,000. D-dimer levels can be high. Fibrinogen levels can be on the lower side. PTINR and APTT, they may be normal or may be on the higher side. So, when are you going to suspect a vaccine-induced thrombosis and thrombocytopenia syndrome? Firstly, there has to be a recent vaccination. The interval from vaccination is said to be between 5 to 30 days for this disorder to occur. There should be clinical thrombosis and there should be thrombocytopenia. All these four things have to be present when we are going to suspect uh, vaccine-induced thrombosis and thrombocytopenia in a patient. That is, I'll repeat it once again, recent vaccination, interval from vaccination, that is 5 to 30 days, clinical thrombosis and thrombocytopenia. But all thrombotic manifestations can be seen in vaccine-induced thrombosis and thrombocytopenia syndrome. The thrombotic manifestations can involve both arterial system and venous system. Uh, in the arterial system, there can be acute limb ischemia can, uh, which can be present or there can be ischemic stroke because of the involvement of the MCA territory. Venous thrombosis may be seen in the unusual sites that is 
कॉर्टिकल्स वेन में भी इन्वॉल्व एड्रीनल वेन में भी इन्वॉल्व और स्प्लैंटनिक वेन्स में भी इन्वॉल्व डीवीटी एंड पल्मोनरी एम्बोलिज्म इज रिलेटिवली अनकॉमन इन दिस एंटिटी व्हाट आर द सिम्टम्स दैट वी सी इट शुड बी वैक्सीन इंड्यूस्ड थ्रोम्बोसिस एंड थ्रोम्बोसाइटोपेनिया शुड बी सस्पेक्टेड व्हेनेवर पेशेंट डेवलप्स न्यू ऑनसेट सीवियर एंड परसिस्टेंट हेडेक accompanied by vision changes or seizure like activity or there is severe and persistent abdominal pain or there is leg swelling or pain or there is chest pain or shortness of breath what is the importance of this time frame of 5 to 30 days or 4 to 30 days or 5 to 28 days as various authors have been writing what we know is the peak time interval for the initial symptoms to occur after vaccine induced thrombosis is 6 to 14 days uh the first 48 hours after vaccination after the first 48 hours after vaccination fever fatigue headache and myalgia are common and this is not indicative of thrombosis with thrombocytopenia syndrome it is probably vaccine related uh, side effect and also uh, vaccine induced thrombosis and thrombocytopenia is not reported after 3 to 4 weeks of vaccination so how do we investigate a case of uh, vaccine induced thrombosis and thrombocytopenia syndrome what we can get is ct venogram head for a patient with headache ct venogram abdomen for abdominal pain and if there is no thrombosis on imaging this is not vaccine induced thrombosis and thrombocytopenia syndrome if the platelet count is more than 1.5 lakhs vaccine induced thrombosis and thrombocytopenia syndrome is unlikely for diagnosis of vaccine induced thrombosis and thrombocytopenia both thrombosis and thrombocytopenia have to be present and uh, there is another entity known as vaccine induced thrombocytopenia this is nothing but acute onset idiopathic thrombocytopenic purpura which can be seen after vaccination it is also rare it has been reported in 1 to 1 lakh or 1 in 10 lakh patients who received uh, vaccines median time frame for development of this entity is same as that of uh, tts or thrombocytopenic uh, thrombotic syndrome that, and it is around 8 days and it has been reported with astrazeneca vaccine it is seen with johnson and johnson vaccine and it is seen with mrna vaccines also mrna vaccines can cause thrombocytopenia but not thrombosis for making a diagnosis of vaccine induced thrombosis and thrombocytopenia i'll repeat it once again for making a diagnosis of vaccine induced thrombocytopenia and thrombosis both thrombosis and thrombocytopenia have to be present then we have this another test known as pf4 elisa or platelet factor 4 elisa also known as hit elisa what is hit hit is basically heparin induced thrombocytopenia heparin induced thrombocytopenia is a clinical entity which is somewhat similar to vaccine induced thrombosis and thrombocytopenia syndrome in both these conditions there are antibodies to platelet factor 4 this hit elisa is a confirmatory test which can be used for diagnosis of both the entities hit also that is heparin induced thrombocytopenia as well as vaccine associated thrombosis and thrombocytopenia syndrome uh, it detects antibodies to platelet factor 4 so 100% of cases uh of vaccine induced thrombosis and thrombocytopenia syndrome had positive hit elisa test then important thing to note is the blood sample for hit elisa should be withdrawn before administration of any therapies especially ivig and steroids 
only drawback associated with this hit eliza is that it has got a very slow turnaround time and uh, in case there are worrisome symptoms or positive imaging evidence of thrombosis we are not supposed to wait for the results of hit eliza and the treatment is to be initiated as soon as possible and it offers some more uh, benefit in cases where are where uh, where we are confused such as when there are no signs and symptoms or imaging evidence of thrombosis but the platelet counts are low in that scenario if pf4 elisa or hit elisa is positive then we are dealing with vaccine induced thrombosis and thrombocytopenia syndrome also if there is no thrombocytopenia if there is thrombocytopenia if thrombocytopenia is present but there is no thrombosis and pf4 elisa is negative then this is not vaccine induced uh, thrombosis and thrombocytopenia this is probably a case of itp and we have another test known as serotonin release assay serotonin release assay is used for the diagnosis of heparin induced thrombocytopenia it can be used in cases with vaccine associated thrombosis and thrombocytopenia syndrome when hit elisa is negative or equivocal presently it is not recommended by any guidelines but it can be used in future so why knowing about this entity vaccine associated thrombosis and thrombocytopenia is important because it carries a mortality of 40% the causes of death can be ischemic brain injury it can be hemorrhage superimposed on ischemic brain injury it can be pulmonary embolism or it can be coronary thrombosis this entity has got some similarities uh, with heparin induced thrombocytopenia such as both of these disorders that is heparin induced thrombocytopenia and vaccine induced thrombocytopenia syndrome these are more common in females both are associated with thrombosis and thrombocytopenia and anti platelet factor 4 antibody anti pf4 antibodies are present in both these entities so knowing about pathogenesis of heparin induced thrombocytopenia would help us understand how this vaccine associated thrombosis and thrombocytopenia syndrome is occurring uh, what happens in hit is because of underlying bacterial infection or surgery there is platelet activation which causes release of this platelet factor 4 from alpha granules of platelets this platelet factor 4 is basically a tetramer and it is positively charged it has got strong affinity for anything which is anionic and the anionic substrate can be provided to it by heparin or bacteria with bacteria it forms bacteria and pf4 complex with heparin it can form heparin pf4 complex what happens to this pf4 polyanion complexes it is recognized by a b cell and which in turn leads to formation of anti pf4 antibodies in case of bacterial infection these anti pf4 antibodies opsonize this pf4 bacterial complex and which are subsequently removed by neutrophils whereas in case of pf4 heparin complex this antibody combines with this complex and this combination leads to platelet activation and platelet aggregation this in turn causes intravascular platelet consumption leading to thrombocytopenia also this causes release of microparticles from platelets which causes increased thrombin generation these antibodies also act on endothelial cells and cause increased production of tissue factor 
this increased production of tissue factor along with increased thrombin production is responsible for increased thrombosis which can be seen in heparin induced thrombocytopenia so the pathogenesis of vaccine associated thrombosis and thrombocytopenia syndrome is somewhat similar to heparin induced thrombocytopenia there is release of platelet factor 4 from alpha granules upon platelet activation and this platelet factor 4 combines with some vaccine component which can be free dna or viral proteins leading to formation of neo antigens and neo anti these neo antigens cause the formation of vaccine associated thrombosis and thrombocytopenia antibodies these antibodies in turn are responsible for thrombosis as well as thrombocytopenia similar to what we have seen heparin induced thrombocytopenia so how are we supposed to treat this entity what we know is high dose ivig has been found to be beneficial in these cases high dose glucocorticoids can be given anticoagulation is supposed to be given and what is not supposed to be done is platelet transfusion platelet transfusion is not supposed to be done in cases of both hit and vaccine associated thrombocytopenia except whenever there is severe bleeding and urgent surgery is required so we'll talk about each of them anticoagulation first so which anticoagulation which uh, which type of anticoagulant we are going to use non heparin anticoagulant why because we do not want any more anti pa4 antibodies the choices we are left with include uh, doax apixaban rivaroxaban and edoxaban data is not available with uh, dibigartan so we do not uh, use it for uh, anticoagulation in this case pondoperinox can be used or denaparavid can be used parenteral direct thrombin inhibitors including bevacizumab and ergotiban can be used in uh, patients with uh, vaccine induced thrombosis and thrombocytopenia for anticoagulation so the choice of anticoagulants the choice of anticoagulant will depend upon the organ functions it will depend upon the anticipated need to stop the anticoagulation based on the risk of bleeding or need for an invasive procedure or in case of apgt in case of parenteral uh, direct thrombin inhibitors aptt that has to be normal so we have talked about the choice of anticoagulant in vaccine induced thrombosis what about the dose so standard full dose uh, of anticoagulants is recommended unless we have to modify it uh, modify it according to the kft duration of anticoagulation so there is a difference of opinion between various authors some recommend that uh, for uh, vaccine associated thrombosis duration of anticoagulation should be 3 months whereas some authors say that like in spontaneous heparin induced thrombocytopenia the duration of anticoagulation should be 8 weeks before initiating anticoagulation international society of thrombosis and hemostasis states that the platelet count should be more than 50000 and there should be no serious bleeding however it is to be noted that cortical venous thrombosis associated with cns hemorrhage this is not a contraindication to anticoagulation this cns hemorrhage in cortical venous thrombosis is suggestive of increased venous pressure and it resolves rapidly with anticoagulation what we should know is that low fibrinogen level or bleeding tendency which may be present in vaccine induced thrombosis and thrombocytopenia should not absolutely preclude anticoagulation especially if the platelets are more than 
or rising following the IVIG administration. And uh, when do we give IVIG in steroids? They are supposed to be started if the platelet counts as less than 50,000. What this IVIG does is uh, it decreases antibody mediated platelet clearance. Also, it decreases platelet activation by immune complex by blocking the receptors on the platelets. The dose is 1 milligram per kg and it is given for 2 days. Plasma exchange is not routinely used in patients with uh, vaccine induced thrombosis and thrombocytopenia syndrome. It is, it may be used only if the platelet counts remain below 30,000 despite IVIG and steroids or there is continuous thrombosis despite IVIG and anticoagulation. So there is an important limitation of plasma exchange that is these antibodies have got very high apparent volume of distribution. So the rapid and complete removal is not possible by plasma exchange. Fibrinogen substitution. Fibrinogen substitution can be considered if the fibrinogen level is less than 1 gram per milliliter. So we have some novel therapies coming up, complement system inhibitors. It has been seen in small number of patients that complement system inhibitor, inhibition is useful. And uh, the complement system inhibitors which have been used include eculizumab, which is a C5 inhibitor and complement C3 inhibitor. So aspirin has been in discussion of late. Uh, some have some people have been saying that it can be used for treatment and prevention of vaccine associated thrombosis. So I'll make it very clear: aspirin is not supposed to be used for treatment or for prevention of vaccine associated thrombosis. It is not efficacious in preventing PF4 antibodies from activating platelets. Also, in setting of thrombocytopenia, it can increase the risk of bleeding. So aspirin is to be avoided. Also, if you're taking it, you're not supposed to discontinue it. And uh, for the people who are watching it, here are the references. And for people who are listening to it, the lecture has been made uh, from articles by in, uh, articles from NEGM and the guidelines by IST, ISTH, American Society of Hematology and uh, American College of Cardiology. Thank you.